Hey, Filled With Messages friends, thanks for joining me. I'm Ruth Farrell, and amongst other things, I'm the lead pastor at St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich, Illinois. When I was a little kid, my family played music on a record player. Yep, I'm that old. Pretty early on, we also had tapes, and I actually remember the day my family went and bought our first CD player. We couldn't get one at the local mall, which was still 30 minutes away. We had to go over an hour away to get one. One of the first CDs we bought was The Weavers at Carnegie Hall. My grandmother introduced The Weavers to my mother, and my mother shared their interpretations of American folk music with my siblings and I. I can still sing virtually every lyric of every song on that album because it was played so frequently. One of the songs on Weavers at Carnegie Hall is Follow the Drinking Gourd. As a child, I learned the song was used by enslaved people as they escaped to the north on the Underground Railroad. The Drinking Gourd, which was used as a ladle for water, was a synonym for the Big Dipper constellation. Since enslaved people had no other tools to help them navigate as they traveled under the cover of darkness, they were taught to use the Drinking Gourd constellation to guide them north. It turns out the song Follow the Drinking Gourd does not date back as far as the Underground Railroad. It was composed much later, but was loosely based on the stories of enslaved people navigating to freedom using the stars as their guide. Americans who were enslaved in this country had little in common with the Magi. Enslaved people in this country were often illiterate, whereas the Magi of the Bible were almost certainly highly educated. Enslaved Americans did not have the freedom or the means to travel, whereas the Magi had the incredible resources they needed to journey afar and the freedom to pick up and go when they saw the star of Christ rise in the east. But what enslaved Americans and the Magi did have in common was their willingness to follow a star, trusting that all the, although the journey would be dangerous, that the path was anything but certain, that the trip would be extremely costly to both person and possession, that what lay beneath the stars they followed would bring new life, new hope, new joy, and bring them closer to God. God puts stars in our lives and invites us to follow them too. Perhaps at times they are literal stars, but just as often they are people, places, words, emotions, epiphanies. God puts stars in our lives and asks us to follow them without knowing exactly where the journey will lead, without guaranteeing the path will be easy. God puts stars in our lives and asks us to follow, trusting that what lies beneath the stars will lead us to the more abundant life Jesus wants for us and for this whole world. Hear these words from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, 
and bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, open our hearts, our minds, our bodies to receive your good news for us today. Words of life, words of courage, words of vision, words of guidance. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall as the Magi discussed the star they had suddenly seen rising in the east. How did they know the star represented the one who was born king of the Jews? Why did they decide they had to go worship the newborn king? It's a little perplexing when you think about it. The Magi weren't Jews. Therefore, they had no religious reason to worship him. It's even a little hard to argue that they had a political reason to pay tribute. The Magi weren't politicians. Despite the song famously associated with them, they weren't kings. What did they hope to get out of visiting the new little guy? Bragging rights? There's good, no good explanation for why the Magi decided to drop everything and go find the royal star child. It just doesn't make any sense, at least to me and to mo- most modern readers of scripture. But maybe you've done something significant, something costly, something dangerous with no good explanation. Maybe you know what this feels like. Because sometimes we do feel like we have to follow even if it doesn't make any sense. Following yonder star wasn't the only time the Magi made a decision to follow without being able to explain in a logic that sits well with us modern readers of scripture. They also followed a dream. Not a dream like a go-to-the-moon kind of dream. They followed a dream they had while they were sleeping. A dream that told them to avoid the reigning king of the Jews, Herod, which was a little risky since he explicitly told them to report back, and he was known for having a nasty temper. A dream that had them return home via a different route. It seems likely they took the best route coming with their gifts for the newborn king. So is it equally likely that the different route back was more dangerous, longer, costlier? Dreams are also known to be pretty unreliable sources of factual information. So how did the Magi trust the instruction to avoid Herod and return home a different way was good and valid and would not lead them astray? The Magi are some of the more mysterious characters in the Bible. They are perplexing, not just because we literally don't know much about them. By the way, it's very possible some of them were women, and we have no clue how many of them there were. We just say three because of the three gifts they bring. The Magi are also puzzling because they were so willing to follow stars and dreams. The Magi were likely well-educated, very intelligent people, Yet they relied not just on their intellect. They also let their spirits, their intuition, their faith lead them. Several decades later, the newborn king the Magi worshipped invited people to follow him. I think it's often easier to follow a person than a star or a dream, but Jesus was inviting people to follow him into a life that wasn't easier or more fun or safer necessarily. He invited people to follow him by doing hard things, saying, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
I want to be very careful with this first since over the centuries it has been used by powerful people, sorry fellas, but typically men, in the church to suppress and control others, typically women, those from the LGBTQ plus community, and the United States, those who are not white. When Jesus invited folks to follow him and pick up their crosses, he was not telling people to ignore or condone abuse they experienced. When Jesus invited folks to follow him and pick up their crosses, he was not asking them to follow him to death, literal or figurative. Death was Jesus's cross to pick up, and ours will not be exactly the same as his. When Jesus invited folks to follow him by denying themselves and pick up their crosses, he was not necessarily calling them to an ascetic life of deprivation, pain, and suffering. God made chocolate, or at least all the ingredients in it, and so it is very good. Jesus called folks to follow him by picking up their crosses and also reminded each and every person who came to him that they were God's beloved child, worthy of love and care, enough just as they are, good and wonderful, right now. When Jesus invited his disciples and us to follow him by picking up their crosses, what he was saying was that life was not going to be easy. Suffering and pain are part of the human experience. In the verses immediately preceding these famous words, Jesus, God's Son, the one sent from heaven with peace for all, the one whose birth was heralded by angels, Jesus himself said he was going to suffer and die. When one of his best friends tried to console him, saying, it wasn't going to be that bad and stop talking like that, Jesus used strong language to tell his friend to stop trying to make it better. His life was going to be hard. Yes, it would also be filled with party and friends and joy and turning water into wine. But pretending there would not also be pain would not make life better. Perhaps Jesus is trying to tell us the same thing. He is inviting us to follow him and also reminding us that following him does not mean that life is going to be filled with rainbows and unicorns and cupcakes exclusively. Following Jesus is often hard. Following the stars and other signs God places in our lives sometimes requires us to put aside logic and follow with intuition and faith. Some days following is so hard that it feels like carrying the weight of a cross on our shoulders. Some days it's so hard it may feel like it is dangerous. Some days it is so hard it will be terrifying. Pretending it won't be so doesn't make life better or easier. We've all been through so much over the last three years. I don't know if you saw the social media posts at the turning between 2023 and 2024, wishing folks an uneventful year or hoping that we all live in precedented rather than unprecedented times. The world feels like it's coming apart at the seams. We are so weary. I know we all need a break from how bad it is. We all need a few years on the beach with a cocktail in one hand and a summer read book in the other. I want that for all of us, but I also know that fixating on wanting it to be different doesn't actually make it different. What makes it different in part is following Jesus and the other stars God places in our lives. 
because when we do, we trust that we will be led safely through the valleys of the shadow of death to green meadows and still waters, to joy and peace and good news for all. So may you follow God like the Magi did, even in those moments when you have to set aside your logic and just follow with faith and intuition and determination. May you follow Jesus on the days, weeks, months, decades when it is easy and when it is hard. And may you believe that the Holy Spirit is leading you with stars and other signs into a more abundant life for you and for this whole world. Sending you God's grace and peace, hope and joy and love today and always. Take good care, my friends.